Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus.
such a beautiful time of being able to worship the Lord this morning. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe that there are accidents that just seem to happen randomly. God is in control. That he is, we talk about him being a sovereign God, a king who is in control, sitting on the throne, yet at the same time, he loves his creation. So today, as we get into this message, I don't believe it's an accident that you're here. I believe that you need to be here for this specific time. Don't listen to me today. Uh, kind of listen to me, but don't really listen to me. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Listen to how God is speaking to your heart as we get into our message here today. Um, I want to thank Pastor Stephen, the worship team, for leading that beautiful time of worship. And now as we get into his word, just being able to hear from him. We've started a series in the book of Ephesians that we're going to be in, really in for quite a significant amount of time. There's no hurry to get through this. There's no agenda that we have to get through. It's really just hearing from the Lord. What do you have in store for us? What do you want us to learn from you? We've talked about in the book of Ephesians that it can be divided nicely into three separate sections. We have a section called sit, where we are learning what it means to understand this chair, what it means to sit in the Lord and receive and rest and abide in him. And then we are going to learn what it means to walk. How do we live this life according to the calling that he has for us? And then finally, how do we stand against the schemes of the enemy as we face this life. Today, what we're going to be talking about, the title of the message is going to be a new identity. And I'll explain what I mean in just a moment. That's what the, the opening video was talking about identity. Who am I in Christ? How can I put the past behind me? all of who I have been, and how, how can I now be brand new the way God designed me to be? Let's look at the scripture together. We're just going to pick it up at the very beginning of Ephesians. Since we're not that far into it, I just want to read it again as a recap. Paul an emissary of Messiah Yeshua. Next week, we are going to talk about the name Yeshua, why this name matters, why the Son of God matters in our lives. Paul is a missionary, an emissary, a, an apostle of Jesus Christ, Messiah Yeshua in Hebrew. Hebrew, the word Yeshua, we'll get into that, by God's will. To the Kedoshim. Now remember the Kedoshim, I appreciated this when Pastor Stephen in, uh, even ended his prayer. The word Kedoshim is simply the Hebrew word that means the holy ones or the saints. And he ended his prayer uh, that all of the saints said, we are the saints of God. And I don't know if you realize that. You don't have to be <clears throat> made into a saint like the Catholic Church will do. You're a saint if you are a follower of Jesus. Jesus. You have been deemed a saint, a kedoshim, a holy one of God. Paul is writing to the holy ones, to the saints in Ephesus. What made you a saint? Well, he says this, if you trusted in Jesus, if you trusted in Messiah Yeshua, in Christ Jesus, then you are made a saint of God. Grace and shalom to you from God our Father, the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Messiah. He chose us in the Messiah before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Messiah Yeshua in keeping with the good pleasure of his will. Notice that little phrase, the good pleasure of his will. 
What that means is this is what made God happy. This is what pleases God is that he adopts us as his children to the glorious praise of his grace with which he favored us through the one he loves. In him, we have redemption. We have been redeemed through his blood. We have the removal of our sins, our trespasses. In other words, we have been forgiven in keeping with the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. Let's talk today about this concept and this idea of what it means to have a brand new identity that is given by God that's going to shape us as we move forward in life. Let's pray and ask for God to bless this time. Father, I want to speak on your behalf, but I want each person to hear directly from you that they're not really hearing my words, but hearing what you're speaking to them. I believe, Lord, that you have brought every person here or every person that's watching with us. You brought them to this moment for a reason and a purpose because you have something in store for us. Maybe it's setting us free. Maybe it's changing the way that we think or the way that we feel. Maybe it's changing our perspective. Maybe it's to cause us to wrestle with things in our past that we don't really want to look at again. I pray, Father, that you would bring healing to the innermost places of our souls, that we would hear from you and be changed from the inside out. Lord, that we would not be content with just trying to clean ourselves up on the outside, but we would really want to be changed by being cleaned and transformed on the inside. As we open your word, Lord, as we look at this, help us to hear from you. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to talk about this idea of identity. Now, I want you to notice something in Ephesians chapter 1. There's two ways that you can look at Ephesians chapter 1. We're kind of looking at it both ways. One way is that you can look at it what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit has done in life. Why God did this. He did this from before the foundation of the world. He had a plan. The plan was Jesus, and it was that all who would trust in him would have salvation. They would find hope and freedom in him. That's one way we look at this. But another way we look at Ephesians chapter 1 is this thing that I'm calling identity. Identity is who you are. Identity is kind of a hot button issue these days. You hear it all over the news. You hear it if you're in corporate America. You will hear it from people that you work with. It is how do you identify And you've probably heard that term before. People are now using more pronouns. He, him. I I prefer to be called he, him, or they, them, or she, her. And these weird pronouns that are starting to pop up in everything. Uh, I I was watching a TV commercial and I saw, uh, heard that you can actually buy a one square foot piece of land in Scotland. Have you heard this? You can buy a one square foot piece of land in Scotland and be Because you own a square foot in Scotland, you can then start using the terms Lord and Lady. And so I determined that's what we're going to do. Jennifer and I, we're going to buy a piece of land in Scotland, going to go plant a tree on that one square foot piece of land. Then everybody can start referring to me as Lord and Lady for Jennifer. So I thought that's a brilliant idea. Well, that's identity. Identity is how do you see yourself? Who are you? 
This is creating a lot of confusion for people, especially for our young people today. There's a lot of confusion around trying to figure out who we are. Do you know that all of the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 1 tells you who you are? We've looked at some of those terms such as these. <clears throat> it says, blessed be God the Father. He has, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In other words, I have been blessed by the creator God. That's identity. He has chosen us. That's identity. You have been chosen. You have been made holy and blameless through God. That's identity. He adopted you as his child. That's identity. He has poured out his grace upon you. He favored you. That's identity. We, he has redeemed you. He has removed your sins. He has lavished his grace on you. All of those things are about having a brand new identity. Well, before we go further in the book of Ephesians, before we get in further into understanding what Paul was saying, it's urgently important that we understand how identity affects us and how we can have God's identity for our lives as we live out life today. Now, there are really three types of lies that people tend to believe. We believe lies about God. We believe lies about others. And we believe lies about ourselves. Can you identify with that? We believe lies about God, such as, I can't trust him. He's hurtful. He's mean. He's angry. He's waiting to punish me. He's going to abandon me. He wants to reject me. He doesn't really love me. Those are lies about God that we begin to believe. Satan comes in and says, no, he did not create anything. No, he didn't start anything. Those are lies that we start to believe about God. We believe lies about other people. We automatically assume about other people and their motives and their agendas and their motivations. We assume things about people. That's believing a lie. You ever done that with your spouse? Uh, you have all the time, I'm going to guess, because I have. You believe a lie. You believe the motivation. Well, you don't love me. That's why you did this. Or you, you, you only care about yourself. That's why you said that. And that's a lie that we start to believe about a spouse. We believe it about friends, about coworkers. We assume about people. Those are lies that we believe. And the lies about ourselves are the most damaging and the lies about ourselves that we believe that I am unlovable, I am worthless, I am hopeless, I am rejectable, I'm unforgivable, I've messed up too much. Those lies have a deep impact in our lives. I want to explain to you today how God has wired us and how all of this works in life. Now, some of you have seen me talk about this before. It's been a couple of years, I think, since I brought this up. So it may not, it, this may be a good refresher for many people. But let's look at what the Bible says about how we are wired as people, how God changes us, and how we can receive the new identity that he wants to give us. So we're going to start with this picture, and I'm going to describe what this picture is and explain how this all works. So God has, according to the Bible, he has created us with three parts. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. 
He's created us in that way. And there are many references in, in the Bible to body, soul, and spirit. So let's talk about what these things are. Let's look at this first idea. We have a body, put that as the outer ring. We have a soul. And then we have a spirit. What are these things? Sorry, my handwriting's a little messy on here, but you can tell. Body, soul, and spirit. So your body is just your physical shell. It is just the physical you that is wearing out over time. Do you identify with that? It is wearing out. I have more wrinkles. I have, maybe it's less hair. Maybe it's gray hair. Maybe it's hair growing out of random places on your body. That's what you have. I was looking in the mirror today and I saw a long hair and it was growing out of my earlobe. And I thought, what in the heck is that? And so those kind of weird things begin to happen. We get older. We age. We run down. We get more tired than we were before. Our bodies are decaying. This is why God talks about us, uh, our bodies being such a fragile tent. They are the housing. They're the, the, the container that the other two things are in and a part of. God is going to give us a new body that's going to be part of the newness of life in eternity with him. But the bodies that we have here and now, they're just a shell. They're a physical container for life. Let's talk about the soul. Let's talk about the spirit. Before we get into the soul, let's look at the spirit. What is the spirit? The spirit is the part of you that God makes alive. Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God in the Garden of Eden, they died the day that they sinned. Though they did not die physically, they died spiritually that day because they had no more connection to God. The spirit is the part of you that God comes into, the part of you that God makes alive, the part of you that when it is alive, you will go and be with him forever in eternity. Now, there are three possible conditions about this thing that we call the spirit. Three possible conditions are these. That your spirit can be either dead, your spirit can be divided, or your spirit can be decided. What do these three things mean? Dead is this, there is no life of God in you. You've never accepted Christ. You have not been, according to the Bible's terms, born again. When you are born again, you're not being physically born. Your spirit is coming to life. But without God, we're dead. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. In fact, Ephesians 2 is going to tell us that, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Our spirit was dead. When you accept Christ into your heart, you move into a state where your heart is divided. Now, what do we mean by divided? Well, that's where I have Jesus in my heart. I have accepted Jesus. I have come to life. I have been born again. But then I'm also fighting against this thing called the me. It's the carnal nature. It is the sinful nature. And it's fighting against God. The biggest areas of battle in life are not when you're dead, not when you're decided. It is when your heart is divided. And you will fight back and forth. It will be a conflict with God. And the conflict is this, God comes into your life and he starts saying, I want you to change this. I want you to do this. I want you to work on this. Give this up. Take this on. And we often will, in conflict with God, say, no, I'm not going to do that. And we find ourselves butting heads with God until 
a moment in life happens where you say, you know what, I'm sick of this. Jesus said, if I really want to follow him, I have to take up my cross. I have to deny myself and follow him. Well, I need to put myself on that cross and I need to have a heart that is decided. Jesus, I want all of you. Doesn't mean I'm going to do everything just 100% perfect all the time, but I want to get myself out of the way. God, I want it to be you. I want it to be like it says in Galatians 2.20 when Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. And that may be the point that many of you are at today. I need to make a decision. I'm sick of me getting in the way. God, I want all of you. I don't want to get myself in the mix. I'm tired of butting heads with you, God. I surrender all. I want to be fully yours. That's your spirit. So we have body, physical shell, spirit. That's where God comes in. What about the soul? The soul is one of the greatest areas of life that has to be changed. And this is everything to do with identity. Your soul is also made up of three parts. In your soul, you have the thing called the mind, or we could put it the way that you think, your intellect, the way that you think. Then you have what we would call your emotions, or just the way that you feel. And then we have a third thing called our will, which is the way we make decisions. Did you know that every day we make decisions based upon what we think or what we feel? And that leads to our actions and our behaviors. We make decisions based upon what we think or what we feel. So for example, if I wake up and I think thoughts like my wife is just so unkind. My wife just doesn't care. My wife just doesn't love me. You know what that's going to do? It's going to make me feel angry. It might make me feel depressed. It might make me feel lonely. It might make me feel sad. I could feel resentment or bitterness toward her as a result of what I'm thinking. And that's going to lead to decisions that I make for the rest of the day. So what will I do if I think my wife just doesn't love me? She is just unkind and I feel depressed and angry, well, for the rest of the day, I might give her the cold shoulder or I might yell at her and erupt at her or I might talk with other people about her or I might put her down in front of the fr uh, my, uh, her friends or my friends. I might do something that is going to be directly related to how I'm thinking or how I'm feeling. If my wife wounds me and hurts me, I might think, well, I'm just going to put my attention elsewhere. I don't want to be at home. I don't like how I think. I'm not liking how I'm feeling. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to go do my hobbies and I'm going to get involved in my hobbies or I'm going to start drinking and maybe I'll medicate myself that way. Or maybe I'll start talking to another woman and that will be the way that I'm going to deal with this. How we think, how we feel drives the decisions that we make. Now hear this, this is so important. If you understand the way we think, the way we feel, you need to also understand that in this world, we have a lot of wrong or messed up thoughts, and we have a lot of wrong or messed up feelings. You know why that is? It's because we live in a sinful, broken world, and we are sinful, broken people. And as a result of that, we have messed up thinking and messed up feelings. 
In fact, every one of us are dysfunctional. Did you know that? Uh, sorry to burst your bubble today, but every one of us are dysfunctional. In fact, if you want to, just for fun, turn to the person next to you and say, you're dysfunctional. Just go ahead and say that to them. Okay, you're getting way too much pleasure out of this. Okay, you're not supposed to be happy about this. This is the way life is. This explains your marriage, by the way, also, because you're married to a very dysfunctional person. And by the way, they are too. They're married to a very dysfunctional person as well. We are dysfunctional as people. Now, what does dysfunction mean? It means that something is broken. We're not functioning the way we were intended to function. We were intended to function the way God has created us. It was intended to be perfect in its creation, but because sin entered into the picture, everything got messed up. Out of that wrong thinking and wrong feelings, this is where lies begin to build. We start to believe lies. I am not good enough. I am unlovable. Or we believe the lie that life is all about me. This is, that's called narcissism. We believe life is all about me. It has to be about me. You need to revolve around me. That's not healthy. That's, that is pride in essence. But we have these wrong ideas in our minds about ourselves, about God, and about other people. And when we do, we have wrong feelings that match. And we have all kinds of messed up feelings, not what God intended, but feelings that are matching the lies that I'm believing. And my whole life is kind of chaotic. And that leads to these actions and behaviors that are very, very sinful. So I do sinful things out of lies that I believe, out of feelings that are messed up. And this is how, how life works in a sinful, broken world with sinful, broken people. And so what is Paul trying to do in the first part of Ephesians? He's trying to remind us and replace these ideas and these concepts of lies and wrong thinking and wrong feelings. And he is trying to replace this stuff with his truth. And what is his truth? Well, the things that we've already said is things like this. He has adopted you. He has made you holy and blameless. You have been chosen by him. You have been forgiven by him. He has lavished his grace upon you. And when we start hearing God's truth, it replaces the lies and it helps us to start living out a new identity. Before we go any further in the book of Ephesians, I want you to really take this to heart. That the one thing God is trying to get at in, the, in our moment of sitting and resting, he's trying to change us from the inside out. Now, now I want you to notice something here. That with this, with this idea that we have, we have this, this thinking, we have these feelings, we have the will, all of this stuff that's, that's messed up. You know how change really occurs? It's when we have the spirit of God coming into our lives that he then begins to renew us. So we have a spirit. Again, if our spirit is dark, then there's no influence of God in our thoughts, in our minds, in our decisions. If our spirit is divided, then I'm getting half, I'm hearing half of what God wants to do to change my thoughts, my feelings, and my emotion, or my decisions. But if my heart is fully surrendered to God, 
and I'm allowing him to have access. Now he is influencing everything in my life. He's influencing my thoughts, my feelings, and my decisions that I make. So here's where it starts. God, I'm, I, I want to be fully yours. I want to be all in with you. I want to be fully surrendered. I don't want to be half-hearted. I want you to have access and you to, you to call the shots and me to get out of the way. When you do that, now he's going to start the work that he talks about in the Bible. Here's some of the things that God talks about. Romans 12, he says, Do not be conformed to this world... But be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. So that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We are, we are perfectly useless as Christians when all we do is conform to the world around us. But we become a, a tool in his hands when we allow him to transform us. How does he transform us? He goes back to our minds and he starts saying, I want to transform you here and here and here. And when I transform you, you're going to be different. I remember uh, just this, this idea of, of this change that happens, this identity change happening, and it was a real confrontation in my life. I had this idea in my life that, um, that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't acceptable, and I believed a lot of shaming messages about myself. Those things, by the way, can still creep in today. They can still have access today, and I remember the greatest moment of healing is when God started to confront this area and began to transform me and set me free. The word conform that Paul is talking about means to be squeezed under pressure. You're conforming, you're squeezing, you're molding. If you've ever taken clay or Play-Doh and you've squeezed it and molded it, what you're doing is you're conforming it into an image that you want to create. I don't know if any of you were ever like that. I've got a couple of kids that were very artistic, and they would do those kind of things. I've got a brother-in-law that was very artistic, and he would sit for hours and, and make things out of that Play-Doh or clay. When you do that, you're shaping it into the image you want it to be. Do you know that the world is trying to shape you into a certain image? The image that it wants you to have so the world feeds you lies, it feeds you ideas in order to try to shape you. But God says, I want you to be transformed. Now the word transformed, you've heard me talk about it before, is the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get our word metamorphosis. He wants you to undergo a metamorphosis. What is a metamorphosis? It's going from one thing into a Another, something completely different. The best examples of this are a tadpole to a frog or a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's the transformative process God wants to do. That you're a little caterpillar and you're crawling around and then you go into a cocoon of God's healing. Did you know that in that cocoon, that caterpillar almost just turns to goo and then it just all of a sudden begins to develop into a butterfly and then it emerges from the, butter, from the cocoon as something completely different. Instead of crawling around on the ground, now it is flying through the air with wings. That is the transformative process that God wants to do. 
2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly but powerful through God for the tearing down of strongholds. We are tearing down false arguments against uh, and every high-minded thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We are taking, look at this, every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. Are you taking your thoughts captive? That's what God wants us to do. We are taking our thoughts captive. So when I have a thought here and the thought enters into my mind, before I do anything with that thought, I take it captive. What is it to take it captive? It's to grab it, to hold it, to contain it, to subdue it. And I begin to say, is this true? Is this right? Is this godly? Is this edifying to others? You hold on to it before it becomes a part of your life. That's what he's saying. Take every thought captive. Ephesians 4 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So before we can go any further in the book of Ephesians, we've got to sit and say, God, I need you to change me from the inside out. The way that I think, the way that I feel, the decisions that I make, help me to understand and receive the identity that you want to give to me. I'm not worthless. I am worth your time. I'm worthwhile in your eyes, God. I'm not unlovable. I'm loved by the creator, the almighty God. I'm not defective. I have been made holy and blameless. I am not sinful. God has forgiven me and lavished his grace upon me. I have been chosen by God. I have been adopted into his family. That becomes the identity that I begin to walk in. So let me give you really quickly as we close. Just five quick, quick steps, and these will be very quick. Five things, and you may want to take a picture of the last screen, but five things about this transformative process of how can I be renewed in the spirit of my mind. Number one, ask the Lord to guard and direct your mind. It starts with a very simple prayer, and the prayer is this, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, keep my mind firmly set on where you want it to be focused today. Lord, I need you to guard my mind. I need you to guard and direct my thoughts. God, I need you to change me on the inside. Number two, recognize the source of self-focused and self-defeating thoughts. Where is the source of all of this? There are two sources. Number one source is I came from a messed up life. And, and that's not a knock against one family or another. I, I'm not any more messed up than anybody else in this room. We are all coming out of dysfunction. Even the best of families, it's not going to be perfect because we live in a sinful, broken world. Because of that, we are affected. That's one of the sources. One of the sources is just who I've always been, the tapes that have always been running through my mind, the voices I've always listened to. Not that I'm hearing voices, you know what I mean. The voices, the thoughts, and the ideas that I've always listened to. But number two, it's also a spiritual battle. I remember reading a book. I was, it, this was in the early 90s, and, and I was a new Christian, and I wrote, read a book. It was by Frank Peretti. I don't know if you guys know that author's name. Maybe you know the book. It was called This Present Darkness. I don't know if you remember that, if you've heard it. It was a fictional book about spiritual warfare, really well done. It was very entertaining, new Christian, and, and learning a lot. And there's a scene in the book that Frank Peretti describes 
spiritual oppression that is going on. And that is that there was a young man who was dreaming and it said there was a, a demon who had his finger in the mind as this young man is dreaming, stirring up his mind. Now, I'm not saying that that's accurate, that that's what's going on, but there are spiritual attacks. Do you know that Satan cannot get at your spirit? So he goes after your mind. He's not all-knowing, all-powerful like God is, but he's cunning and clever and a brilliant uh, leader, commander of a demonic force. And so he goes after the mind. That's the source of these self-focused, self-defeating thoughts. It's like we have, we have this great uh, big knife that we have, uh, that we have uh, been given by Satan. He gives us a huge knife, and then we just take it and we start stabbing ourselves. That's what begins to happen. So understand, the self-focused, self-defeating thoughts. Number three, replace the self-focused thinking with a God-focused mindset. After, after praying, Lord, protect me, after recognizing where these things are coming from, it has to be, God, I need you to now change, replace this self-focused. Let me give you an illustration of this. And I, I don't know if this is a good illustration, but I think it is. It's kind of brilliant. So I want you to picture it this way. <laughs> All right. Yeah, maybe it's not brilliant. I don't know if it's brilliant or not. I want you to picture it this way. Picture that that is a mountain. You're looking out, and that is a mountain. You see the mountain in the distance. If you went up close to the mountain, you would find snow has fallen on the mountain. When snow melts on the mountain, it starts to follow down a natural path, a, a ravine, and it cuts its way down the mountain. Okay? You, you could probably all picture this in your mind. The snow begins to melt. It, it melts. It runs down. And it finds a natural path. Over time, that natural path becomes a ravine cut through the mountain. Therefore, all of the water that ever melts in the future will follow the same path. Because it is it's kept going down the same path over and over and over again. Did you know that our minds are the same way? If you have the thought and you let it keep going that direction, and it's that direction every time and every way, it will form a ravine, and it will keep going that way. I have to have God replace that. How do I? It's almost like, God, you've got to back up a dump truck and fill in this ravine, and we have to compact it, and then we need to dig a new ravine so that the water can go that way instead of the way that it's always been. Do you know that that's what it's like in your mind that God wants to say, I want to replace this. I want to change this. I want to transform you, but I've got to dig a new path and a new way for the water to travel because the way you've always been doing it does not work. So we replace a self-focused thinking with God. God, what do you want? Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. We, we set our minds there on things above. God, how do you want to change it? Number four, rest in the truth that you are accepted in Jesus. Sit and rest in his truth. My identity comes from him, I am his, and he is mine. And I'm going to let him start shaping me and who, I'm at, uh, who I am. Number five, just repeat, uh, repeat steps one through four daily. That's it. That's all it is. God, I need you to renew me. 
I need you to change me. I need you, Lord, to make me different. This whole this whole message today is not really, it, we're not really covering a single verse in the book of Ephesians, but setting a stage for us as we continue to walk our way through it. We're talking about the Father, talking about the Son. We're going to talk about the Spirit, all the things that they do in our lives. But it's going to take this, God, I need to receive the identity that you have for me. I need you to renew me. I need you to change my thinking. And I need to be different as I move forward. I can't keep doing the same old thing, the same old way, because it's disastrous. So God, I desperately need you. We're going to pray to close, and then I have a closing video because we have Thanksgiving coming up, and I'll, I'll talk about that in just a moment. And then a couple of Thanksgiving verses from the Bible that we're going to stand and we're going to read together as a declaration before God as we leave this place. Would you pray with me? Father, help us to have our minds changed and renewed by you. I believe, Lord, that there are many of us here today who could just really, really put themselves in these shoes that they understand exactly what we're talking about because they have been going down the same path and the same pattern. They've, maybe it's got the same sin that is tripping them up every day. Maybe it's the same thoughts. Maybe it's wrecking their marriage. Maybe it's wrecking their work. It's the same old pattern, the same lies that they have been holding on to and believing. And we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need you to renew us, to make us different, to make us who you want us to be. And it starts, Lord, with recognizing we need to have your identity. Lord, teach us and show us and keep walking with us. Lord, daily help us to remember to really let you do this work in our lives. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. As we look forward to Thanksgiving, help us, Lord, to be thankful for all that you do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.